With this book, our goal is to show you a teaching and learning framework that helps make students self-regulating independent word learners. We want to move your thinking hundreds of miles away from the view of vocabulary instruction as disembodied lists for students to memorize and toward a stance where word learning is fun for students. It's an excuse for them to interact with their peers, and it gives students the intellectual and social currency of being able to think, speak, read, and write with greater facility. Over the last decade, we've developed a comprehensive vocabulary initiative. This initiative has five major components. Component number one, make it intentional. We carefully select words worth teaching. Our experience and understanding of the research suggests that words have to be selected based on a number of factors, such as repeatability, transportability, and whether or not the word is representative of words students should know. To make these decisions, we ask ourselves several questions, such as, is the word representative of a family of words that students should know? Is the word a label for an idea that students need to know? Can students use context clues to determine the correct or intended meaning of the word without instruction? In addition, making it intentional requires that we are purposeful with our instruction. As you'll see in each of the components of our vocabulary initiative, we use a gradual release of responsibility framework that involves teacher modeling, productive group work, guided instruction, and independent learning. Component number two, make it transparent. Use teacher modeling to demonstrate for students how scientists, artists, mathematicians, and historians use vocabulary to explain their thinking, and how they marshal their background knowledge to solve for unfamiliar terms. Anyone who has spent time with children knows how quickly the behavior modeled by an adult becomes part of a child's repertoire. Remember the America's Funniest Home Video clip? A mother asks her little boy who's golfing in the backyard if he can golf like Daddy. The little boy immediately slams his plastic golf club on the ground and yells, Damn it! Yes, humans mimic. This is a crucial way that the species has passed on survival behaviors across generations. Likewise, teachers who model their thinking are passing on the effective learning behaviors they have acquired. When it comes to vocabulary, one of the most valuable modeling techniques is showing students how you look inside and outside of words to solve unfamiliar terms. Inside words. Looking inside words involves teaching students to use morphology and their knowledge of roots, derivations, and affixes. For example, a teacher who encounters epidermis can tell his students, I know that derm has to do with the skin like the dermatologist or the needle you use to get a shot, a hypodermic. I also know that epi is familiar. It usually means on or over something, like the epicenter of an earthquake is the center point, and the epidemic of a disease is that it takes over. So without knowing the technical details of the definition, I can make a pretty good estimate that epidermis is the layer over the skin. Outside words, contextual clues. The solution to a word doesn't always lie inside it. For example, it doesn't help much when you're reading a person's name or a place. Very often, these are defined outside the words, such as in definitional clues like, Peter the Great was the Tsar of Russia. A Tsar is like a king, and the Tsar was someone who had great power. Other times, we have to look close by at sentences that occur before or after the one containing the unfamiliar term. These are ideal opportunities to pause during the reading and show students how you use clues to confirm or disconfirm the meaning of a word. Sometimes, we have to look a bit further outside the word to other resources, such as bolded words, the glossary, dictionaries, a classroom computer, or asking a peer. Component number three, 
make it usable. Students need lots of authentic opportunities to use vocabulary in their oral and written language. We know that all learning is social and students learning new vocabulary take it on in the company of their teachers and peers. But because learners satiate quickly on vocabulary activities, teachers need a rich bank of methods for fostering vocabulary usage in their classrooms. In too many classrooms, students are expected to experience new vocabulary passively, usually through listening and reading, and then immediately put it into use through the expressive modality of writing. An important step gets skipped, using new language orally, usually with their peers. In our work, we've hit upon three pieces of advice for ensuring that socializing doesn't trump social learning. Tip number one, provide students with a purpose statement. Be sure that your students understand not only how to complete the task, but also that they understand the purpose as it relates to their learning. We love to ask the question, how do you know when you're done? Because it provides great insight into how well students understand the purpose. They need to know three things. First of all, they need to know the outcome. For example, you and your partner should be able to describe the similarities and differences between different Cinderella stories. Second is that they need to know content mastery. Uh, again, as an example, this unit includes comparing and contrasting these fairy tales from different cultures. And then third, they need to know how they'll measure their own success. For instance, you'll know that you know it when you can describe these to one another without using the graphic organizer. Tip number two, variety is the spice of life. Students, as we said before, satiate quickly on almost anything, and vocabulary work is certainly no exception. Endless trips to the dictionary to mindlessly copy definitions is not only boring, it's also ineffective. Vary the types of vocabulary activities they do with one another to promote interest. Even basic worksheets can become collaborative learning activities when they're used by partners. And then tip number three, integrate vocabulary activities into the flow of learning. Vocabulary development shouldn't stand separately from your teaching. It represents the conceptual understanding critical to the content you're teaching. Vocabulary development should be built into the other types of instructional routines you use, including partner and small group discussions, structured reading activities like reciprocal teaching, and fishbowl activities that invite small groups of students to model their thinking for the class. Component number four, make it personal. Students solidify their vocabulary knowledge through novel applications and independent tasks. This is the time when students are ready to incorporate into more formal academic writing and speech. Making it personal includes causing students to build their metacognitive awareness, to notice their own learning. Informal assessments can help encourage this type of metacognition. For example, if you want to know about a student's existing word knowledge, a vocabulary self-awareness chart is helpful. This is a pre-teaching assessment, and we provide students with a list of words that will appear in the next unit and allow them to answer in a variety of ways. For example, can you write a definition? Can you use this word in a sentence? Have you ever seen this word before? Is it completely new to you? This gives us a good sense of what students know and don't know before we ever start teaching. Another means for determining what students know is to ask them to complete a word sort. Typically, we give students an envelope with slips of paper containing the terms we'll be using. 
We don't give them categories. Instead, we let them decide how words can be categorized. It's fascinating to see how students organize the words into larger categories, and it provides a glimpse into what's going on in their heads. A vocabulary assessment plan needs to include measures of current knowledge as well as formative measures of growth. These types of informal assessments encourage students to notice their own learning, a true definition of making it personal. And finally, component number five, make it a priority. There are a number of school-wide structures that can facilitate students' word learning. Word knowledge doesn't just occur in the classroom, it happens in all environments, both inside and out of school. One of the ways that schools make word learning a priority is through wide reading. Students learn words, especially general or tier one words, from reading. When the school sets aside time every day for reading and encourages at-home reading, students build their word knowledge. Another way schools make word learning a priority is through a word of the week or WOW effort. In these schools, five words per week are selected. These words have a common prefix, suffix, or root, and students can talk about these words irrespective of which teacher they have. School-wide approaches make students aware of what the school values. School-wide approaches that encourage wide reading and a focus on vocabulary communicate values to students, teachers, and the community. The need for attention to vocabulary development is evident in its effect on academic learning and expression. A school-wide commitment to vocabulary development can ensure that students learn words inside and out.